Welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm your host, Jill Mokes, and this week I am beyond excited because I'm joined by one of my personal just obsessions, the incredible Forrestor. Yes, Forrestor. The past editor of Cosmopolitan magazine, of Elle magazine, Farah left a glittering 23-year career in journalism, and she is now the head of writer partnerships for Substack UK. She's really stepped into this whole different realm of writing. I think, um, you know, as you'll find out in our conversation together, it was so important to her to carry on surrounding herself with writers because that was the community that she wanted to have around her. She enjoyed working with those kind of people. For those of you who've followed me for a while now, you'll know that it's a platform that I rate so highly. Um, for writers, it was created for writers by writers. It's a refreshing place to be. It doesn't have the same kind of dance with insanity feel that social media has. Substack for me is, uh, like I said, it's a refreshing platform to be on. And I do think I predict that Substack is going to grow. And I also predict that whilst it is a platform for writers, I think it will widen and become a platform for entrepreneurs and business owners who really want to base their clientele around their content, their writing, their, their story. So for coaches, consultants, creatives, I'm seeing more brand strategists, people like that on Substack now. So I think the platform's only going to grow. And I think now absolutely, you know, with, with Far in such a prominent position, it, it can only grow now. It, it's going to be really interesting to watch it. And it's really different to other platforms. So if it's something that you're curious about, yeah, after you've listened into the conversation with Farad, I'd really urge you to go and um, explore a little bit and perhaps start your own Substack platform. But this conversation with Farah is such a rich conversation. I've had a pretty phenomenal experience recently, which was brought about by Farah when she put out a note on her Substack, gosh, maybe almost a year ago now. And she was asking for women who were willing to share their story of motherhood, particularly if motherhood wasn't perhaps what they had hoped it would be, or if it, if perhaps, you know, it just wasn't the normal story, maybe. And so Farah interviewed me a while back and recently published an article telling my story, sharing my story of, you know, raising James, my son, who's autistic. And she just did it in such an incredible way. I've had an outpouring of support from people. It's been absolutely amazing. I've had so many messages, beautiful messages of support. And I have Farah to think, thank for that because the way she treated the topic and, and crafted the uh, article, from my words, was amazing. Let's dive in. I'm excited for this one. Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. 
I'm Jill Mokes, and I am obsessed with cutting through the noise when it comes to growing your business. Each week, via intimate coaching conversations and inspirational stories, I share what it really takes to get the results you want in a way that feels right to you. I am all about attracting higher ticket opportunities, building authentic relationships, and creating the abundant, full-fat version of your dream business. I mean, how many of us have beavered away creating a light version of what we really want? The thing is, I honestly believe when you're outstanding at what you do, there is no limit to what you can achieve. So, are you ready to put our heads together and make it happen? Let's go. Hi, Farah. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Very welcome, Jill. Nice to be here. It's very exciting. And, you know, as everyone knows about me, I get overexcited usually. So for you, I've got this like urge to come over all fangirl and slightly embarrassing. So I'm I'm really fighting that right now, just to let you know, just to make it really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how to respond no, to that. Let, let's just move through. past it really quickly. <laughs> Obviously, everyone is going to know who you are anyway. But the question I wanted to ask you first, really, was around your journey from an amazing 23-year career in journalism with, you know, including positions where you were editor at Elle and Cosmopolitan. You then left there to become head of writer partnerships at Substack UK. And I was thinking about that because that must have been a big decision for you. And I was kind of thinking about the push and the pull that we always feel when we make a decision to leave one thing and start another. Is that something that you could tell us a bit about? What motivated you? What was the the push from one and and the pull of the other? Well, I think if I was being completely honest, I mean, the, the, the push was to be very frank, you know, it's a declining industry. Will there be magazines in 10 years? I don't know is the answer. And I was 42 when I was coming to the end of of Ellen thinking about wanting to do something new. I probably wouldn't have chosen to give up magazines if they weren't in the precarious state that they are. I mean, you know, just to give you an example, when I, I got my first editorship when I was 33, and they were already on the wane, you know, it was a magazine called Women's mm. Health. It was 2012. All the magazines that I had grown up reading, Smash It's Just 17, they were all closing. And Women's Health went on to be successful, but there was always a push, which was the end is going to come much sooner than you probably would like. So I really fought to get into journalism. It's very hard. It's very competitive. It's very intimately networked. I wasn't networked at all. So I really pushed my way in. And so then to find your dream career and to get to the top of it, arguably, but then to know that you're going to have to find something else midway in your career, it was sort of heartbreaking because I didn't want to give it up. But, you know, when I was offered the editorship of Elle, at that point, I had already decided that I was probably going to exit magazines. The reason I stayed perhaps a little longer was I'd never edited a fashion magazine. I was I had always loved fashion. It had been impossible to break into it. But of course, by the time I, I edited Elle, COVID happened. 
And by the time we emerge from COVID, I will never forget going to the newsstand and the newsstands had just shrunk overnight. They'd all been replaced by homeware. And, and, and for me, it was sort of like, I don't know how much longer I probably got, but it, but it was heartbreaking because the thing that I knew I loved was I loved writers and I, I loved creativity. So the, that was the push. That was the very bald sort of, um, cruel push the pull, well, there wasn't actually a pull for, for a couple of years. I didn't know what I was going to do because the whole job I had known and actually I had become pretty good at, my services felt redundant in, in a world which didn't really value ink and paper anymore. However, one thing that I had done with a career coach, actually, who was a friend of mine who had, again, changed career, had become a career coach. She said, let me just do some work with you. She, go, she obviously could tell I was desperately in need of work in inverted commas. And she did this thing where you'll probably be very au fait with this. I didn't know about values. And she basically looked at what my values were. And she said, look, your values are, you know, you love working in a tiny team and you love writers. You love being in the world of writers and creativity. That's the that's the that's the biggest sort of pull for you. And at the same time, I had started reading lots of Substacks without realizing that they were on a platform called Substack. I just knew that there were writers that I loved who were doing their own thing on this, pla- you know, on this platform. But I wasn't really aware of, of the platform. And then, you know, sometimes the world moves in very mysterious ways. A friend of mine who had moved to America to work in tech just out of the blue said, I was at a party last night and I met this incredible guy. He's started this company called Substack you should get in touch with him if you know if they, if they ever come to the UK you should reach out and and to cut a very long story short i reached out to him i just said look if you're ever in the UK you know i'd love to you know have a coffee and i felt physically sick doing that like i don't usually <laughs> i don't... i love that like i, I felt really yeah. sick and and just like, i'm going to say um, i'm going to say it <laughs> he was brilliant he was like well look you know this thing is moving so mm. quickly let's have a chat about perhaps you you coming over and and I've never looked back I you know there was a big part of me which was so scared that moving into tech and leaving behind journalism was going to be the end of me but of course Substack isn't really tech it's really not it's all the things I value it's a it's for writers it's a writer's or a creative's platform so there was a huge very cruel push but but there's been this enormous rather than a pull I would say an embrace from this this completely new world I would never have imagined that I would be in. Oh, and Substack is a new world. I I mean, I don't know any other platform like this. Well, there isn't another platform like it, to be honest. I think what, what I love the most about Substack is that it is the most unelitist platform. I can understand how it must have been just amazing because you are so approachable and accessible I think so for you to be able to find this platform where you can be surrounded by all of these writers who are, and the work that's just up your street it must have been a really comforting not it's not a second choice I think it's just a different choice to to the magazine work but it must have been a big relief to have found that yeah, I think it was. And, and and all the writers that I had loved who had left magazines years previously, suddenly I found them. It sort of felt like stumbling upon the counterculture. I mean, I've never been cool enough to be part of the counterculture, but it felt like, you know, 
yes, I had had this enormous status being on the front row, and but, but actually very quickly once, and I suppose that's what happens when you're in the counterculture and you have all these different voices doing these exciting new things, is I very quickly forgot about the sort of status I'd had. And, and you know, for a year, Jill, a lot of people would say to me, so what do you do for a living? And, I, and I'd go, I used to edit L, uh, but, but now, but now I, I work in tech. Gosh, far I so get that. I can just imagine that. And now I work in tech and it's so, it's just not true, is it? It's like Substack, I don't even associate it with that. And I get that your role in Substack is is kind of framed that way. But yeah. You know, and that was, whether I you like it or not, status is very important. Definitely. And of course, the world of tech in inverted commas because I don't see Substack as mm. tech but they don't really care about titles mm. and you know so I'd gone from, from editing magazines where if you go to a party everybody knows instantly what you yep. do to suddenly when I came over to Substack first of all nobody knew what Substack I mean they just didn't they just didn't understand it now of course it's changing and people go oh that's really interesting I know about that thing yeah. but you have you know it took a while to sort of navigate that and 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 of course you know now of course I just think well that's just what happens when you're moving forward with your life and and going into new territory you've got to figure out within yourself that that sort of step change and and of course you know arguably I I don't believe anybody that says status is not important I think it drives a lot of us but the status is different now I think my status is well I work for this I work for this thing where the best writers in the world are doing the best work. Whereas before it was, I I am the, you know, I am the sort of uh, mascot of this amazing glossy brand. So it's different, you know, that they've both got their status pushes and pulls. Mm. But it was hard. It was very hard at the beginning. I can imagine it was. And I think, um, I think, I guess it hasn't been long enough yet to know whether that status will change so much. I would imagine for you, there's still this huge calling card on the back of Elle and Cosmopolitan. But, and like you said, it's just a different status now. And with what I see happening with Substack, I could actually see this being equally at, you know, the same kind of level anyway, because Substack for me is pretty revolutionary. I think it is. And not just as a platform for writers, but from a business perspective, it is really revolutionary because everyone's so sick and tired of that the kind of social media insanity and and the stuff that we've been told for so long we have to do if we want to grow a business so yeah Substack's just such a huge opportunity for writers but also for business owners I think I think maybe if I can Jill because again I don't know maybe people that listen to this will know what Substack is but most people think of it as a newsletter platform but it's not really that anymore. It has moved so much that the better way to think of it is it's like a personal media channel for you where you can decide how you, you know, uh, broadcast your news to your readers, whether that's in a podcast, whether it's a video, whether it's a little community notes thing, whether you write mm. to them. The subject is your business. It's almost like a sort of um, a creative business starter pack. Oh, God, you're so right. Yeah, there's all these different ways you can talk to your community. And also, by the way, and this is the really important thing I was just saying to somebody, you know, yes, you can get paid on Substack. But I think actually even more important is whilst you are on social media, and and by the way, there is merit in social media. You know, I still love Instagram. Oh, me too. 
yeah, we don't own our audience. So when they change everything and they're forcing me to do reels, which I uh, will never do, I'm no longer in touch with them. So you, whereas on Substack, you get their emails and you, Jill Mokes, you own those emails. We don't own them. And as you will know, that's really important for your your future, basically. I I mean, it's massively important. And it's something that I've been sort of teaching clients for so long now, which is that, you know, if you're building your entire business dependent on social media, you're you're building on rented land, you know, it, it's not your audience, you don't own them. If Mark Zuckerberg shuts everything down tomorrow, I'm sure he won't. But if he did, you know, you're screwed. I mean, that is the massive difference. But there's so many differences, which I'm, I'm, I'd love to talk about. Um, there are so many differences with Substack. Can I ask you stop one thing about it? Because obviously, I, I think you just said um, just now, Substack really, when they started, it was very much framed as a newsletter platform. And that was that was quite revolutionary anyway. It was when newsletters started to kind of come back into fashion, I guess. So I, quite, I think even that in itself was quite, it was new and different. And, oh, okay, it's kind of like newsletters come, becoming cool again. But you're right. It's so much more than that now. So. Is Substack just for writers? Is it just for people who can who would call themselves writers, I guess is my question. Or do you see it as a platform for businesses to really, like you say, use it as their as their hub, if you like, for every different way they can communicate with their clients or prospective clients? I think at the moment it, it's very much the, the the majority of people on there let's be honest are writers mm. but they're not all journalists you know they're all people who can communicate effectively but but it's changing very much you know there are lots of artists on there there are lots of photographers on there I see people who have got coaching businesses on there there's a great one called rework which is a career coach who you know essentially distills sort of you know lessons that they've learned into this wonderful newsletter and then does a group sort of does group sessions so you can absolutely see how it is built for people who have their own business and part of that business is there is a I hate this word but there's a sort of an inverted commas content side to the business that I can absolutely see you know it's obviously it started with writers because it was definitely built for writers you know one of the founders was a writer and a journalist but the world of writing or creating content in inverted commas is not exclusively for writers. Anybody can do it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I do see some businesses on there. Not that many, but I, I see it is increasing. I can tell you that much it's increasing as people start to figure out, hang on a minute, if I'm not a writer, then is this platform for mm. me? Now people are starting to see. I mean, I had another uh, the other day, a stylist joined who has been – incredibly successful but the interesting thing about this stylist is when I talked to them about a year ago they were like it's not for me because I don't write what I do is I style and I know how to sell clothes but they joined maybe it's a couple of months ago actually they joined a couple of months ago and they're you know their substack it's not a written thing but it's basically a sort of you know here's a list of things that I have gone through the internet and I've found so it's everybody's substack it's like everybody's iphone everybody uses it completely differently and if you have a business you're going to use it differently again one thing i really love about it at the moment is that it does feel like there aren't too many trends. It's almost like every aspect of Substack is, you know, try it if you like it, don't use it. You know, some people use chat, some people don't. Some people use notes, some people don't. 
And I quite like that about it. There's a lot on there. I mean, I think if you'd have joined, say, five years ago, it was very much, it was about here, right. But now, this is because this is what writers have asked for, you know, exactly. You can do voice notes. You can join notes, which is pr- is just a place where if you've just got ideas, you can just share ideas rather than write something. If it's just an idea, it's a few lines long. You can share just pictures in chat if you want it's up to you. And and you're right. There's no one formula. I don't use personally, I know how to use Mm. all of it, but I don't use probably about 80% of Mm. the features. I probably should. But my, my mode of being is I write and and that's that, you know, occasionally I'll share pictures with people, but that's sort of it for for me. Um, Probably never going to be a big video user, probably never going to do a podcast on it or, you know, never say never, but, and that's okay. That's absolutely right. Yeah, this is what I mean. I think it's absolutely okay to pick and choose which pieces you want to use. And one of the reasons that it's okay, in my opinion, is that it's not algorithm driven. So it's not like on Instagram, where if you're not doing reels, no one's going to see anything you do, because you'll be punished for not pointing at every corner of the room. (laughs) Yeah, yes, that's right. So it's the, the way... The way that you drive growth on Substack is, first of all, doing brilliant work, usually based in your expertise, usually, not always, but usually. And somebody will notice it and somebody, another writer will notice it and they will share it. Or, you know, and and that's when you see the big spikes or another writer might recommend you and that's how you might get discovered. Or you might, Jill, write a really beautiful, interesting comment beneath a writer's work. And if you had a Substack, somebody could read your comment and then they would see next to your name, oh, this really interesting person that's written a comment has got their own thing. I'm going to go off and start. So the sort of writer that you love or the creative that you love or the business owner that you love is the person that brings you into the world of Substack. And from them, you then go off down all these sorts of, you know, rabbit holes, discovering people that are in some way connected to the writer that you loved. And so it's sort of like, you know, if you're dating a friend of a friend, Mm. as opposed to meeting a random on Tinder, probably there's going to be, probably, I know lots of people have got married after dating on Tinder, (laughs) but probably there's going to be something you like about a writer that, that, the writer you love recommended. So that's how the growth happens, which is very natural. It's very natural. And I'm so glad that, the, well, obviously we're recording this. It's a podcast. It'd be slightly weird if we weren't, but I'm so glad we are because what you just said was such a beautiful description of exactly the way I coach my clients to market their businesses. It's putting relationships over algorithms. It's engaging really thoughtfully and intentionally on other people's I'm going to use the word content because everyone understands what that means, but I'm with you. It, it, it does, doesn't feel like a great word to use for it, but, and I love that spider webbing out. And do you know what's funny as well is what you were just saying about, um, it's like you suddenly see more of the kind of writers that you love to read. And that is so true yeah. because my network and um, my kind of web of writers I love just keeps growing and growing. And yet I have a client who has a substack and her network on there it looks very different to mine. She has different, really? you know, different kind of topics, different tastes, different, um, and that's just how it should be, isn't it? Yeah, it's very natural. It's very mm. organic. 
you know, it's like going to a fabulous party and you know one person, but they introduce you to somebody. They're the best sort of parties where you feel safe because you've been brought you've been brought in with somebody who you totally trust, yes. and they're probably going to get on. Or even if you don't agree with everyone in that room, you're going to have fun disagreeing with them. I think it, what what it makes is it just makes it feel like a very lovely, very warm space. Oh gosh, it really is. Particularly at the moment, there's also a lot of support, so a lot of people on Substack supporting other people on Substack. You know, rather than encouraging that behaviour of, well, I'm doing my Substack over here, so you do yours, yeah. because it, writers grow together. You know, creatives grow together, business coaches can grow together. You know, you're probably all going to be offering something different. So yeah, it, it's it's nice. It's like a warm, fuzzy party where you know the the water is still sort of nice and warm at the minute. It so is. It's so refreshing. It's so different to anything. I think that, and and especially for people who are a little bit battle weary um, from being on other platforms, I I would say you know please please explore Substack. It's a kind environment and it's really supportive. Farah, to your point just now about you know kind of being at a party and you know one person but they introduce you to lots of people, I have to say your Substack things worth knowing is just that. So I find that everyone that I interact with who also follows your Substack and interacts with your posts and puts comments on, they are just such a nice group of humans. Well, that's very nice to hear because I don't know any of them. But, but yes, you see it. You see it in the comments. They're not there necessarily to talk to me. It's like a dinner party. I start the chat, the conversation, but then they all have exactly the same validity to speak on that subject. And I think there's something about when people give you their emails as well, what happens is the the quality of the conversation changes pretty much. You don't end up with any sort of eggs on there, you know, anonymous people just having their say you end up with a very nuanced conversation. So I have to say, it, it's the nicest thing that you could possibly say about it, Jill, because I see these conversations happening. And yeah, I, I haven't seen that sort of quality of conversation for a very no, long me time. me neither. Me neither. That's what makes it really different. Yeah, it's, it is a completely next level quality of conversation. That's such a good way to put it. I feel like it's what we've all been looking for and it's what we're all ready for because I think we are all a little bit tired and, and particularly for people growing a business. There are so many things I, I still do love elements of social media but to use it as a tool for growing your business it's becoming harder and harder and harder you know every platform really is becoming pay to play and what I really like about Substack is that you can actually monetize what you do on Substack straight away if you want to in fact I always advise my clients to start with paid tiers straight away because it's where they can add even more value and also, you should start paid straight away because whenever you start something new, that's when the generosity of spirit is going to be there. That's when you tell people and you go, look, guys, this is completely new. I'm doing it completely independently. If I've brought value to you, in, you know, throughout your life and, and you now can afford to support me, at blah, blah, blah. Now would be the time to do it. And by the way, look at all this stuff I'm going to give you. So, you know, you're not just asking. But usually at the very beginning, that's when people will go 
your super fans, so to speak, in inverted commas, will go, yep, I'm going to support them. If you wait too long, people sort of forget. So you want to sort of take people along in the excitement. It's new, it's exciting, it's really scary, but this is what I'm doing. And and come on board really early. Be a paid subscriber from the very beginning. I don't know what it's going to look like exactly yet, but you're going to be the first to find out if you're not sure on what your plan is. I love that kind of transparency. I love inviting people to come along on the journey and watch it unfold. So I'm with you on that. I really like that. You know, I have no idea what this is going to look like in the long term, but let's find out together kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're there because they trust you and they're interested in you. So the only thing that you can promise them is you're going to get the best of me in this space. This, If you are interested in me, if you're interested in the pictures of me and my dogs and whatever, stay on Instagram. But if you want access to the next level access for me, or access is probably not the right word, my deeper, more nuanced thoughts, then there's this space, come on over. So that would be the way to bill it to people if you're thinking about doing it. What do you see working well for people who do have paid tiers, which I think most people do now. At most Substacks I see, there's an option to go deeper if it's something you really, like you say, if you're a real super fan and you, you want everything from that person. Your Substack for a start is one that I feel like you over deliver behind your paywall because you could charge so much more probably on another platform, which I just love. It just means that, you know, anyone who subscribes to things worth knowing it's are getting so much for their money because these, this isn't a huge monthly investment either, is it? You know, to, to pay to um, subscribe to someone's Substack. So what works for that? paid tier what are the added value things that you can offer oh i mean it it depends there's so many different ways you can do it i mean i think the first thing that people need to realize is and, and people can get a bit confused by this you should always have something free, always, because first of all, you know, you probably want to have something accessible for mm. people. Most people do. Also, that's going to get shared widely. So that's going to bring people into Substack. Once those people are brought in by this brilliant thing you've written. So I say to people, whatever you think is your most shareable thing or the thing that you think is going to really connect with people, keep that free because you want that to go far and wide and you want the people who read it to come into the sort of into the room. Once they're in the room, you then go, did you know there is a backstage pass? Now, the backstage pass is not necessarily a load more writing, for example, because some people panic going, thinking, well, I've got to write something for free and then I've got to write something different for paid. You don't have to. When I started my Substack, I kept everything free. So every week, every Sunday, I write a newsletter. At the beginning for the first year, every single one of those was free. And there was a nervousness as well because I wasn't sure people would pay for it. The only thing that I offered paid subscribers was three times a year, or maybe it was twice a year, I was going to deliver I think it was like a two hour writing masterclass about how to write for women. And that was it. And it was twice a year. So, you know, it didn't take a huge amount of time. I thought to your point, well, it's pretty good value because if you'd have done that when I used to be, I used to do it for the Guardian, I think it was about 200 pounds. Whereas, you know, back then I think I charged five pound a month or, you know, 50 pound a year. It was a bargain. Now my prices have changed. So now I'm a year in. I've realized, I mean, I still over deliver because that I just do. But now what I've done is, and and this might be something people think about, is the newsletter now I've realized has value in that. And it's got to a place where actually 
some people want to pay for that. So they're not interested in becoming knowing how to become a writer. They just want to read my work. So now I have changed after 15 months, the frequency. So if you're a free subscriber, you get two a month yeah. free. If you're a paid subscriber, you get four. And that just by switching that, that has all those free people who were on the fence going, oh, I'm not sure if I like Forrest Paid because I don't want to be a writer. That has converted people quite quickly. So that's what you need to think about. What is your thing when you're starting? What's the thing? If you're, I mean, the thing is, if you're a coach, it's going to be pretty obvious what your thing is. It's going to be, I've seen people who paid subscribers get a PDF or a booklet, which basically, you know, that you, they create things where they give it to people. And then you could have another tier of membership on Substack called a founding member, which is, it can be any, I think the minimum you can charge is a hundred pound a year, but some people charge thousands like crypto guys charge thousands. You know, mine is, I think mine is now 300 pounds, but what you get is you get a one-on-one zoom call with me to talk through whatever. So you can totally see a world where coaches would totally do that, you know, a limited number of founding memberships. And what they do is they wrap up whatever their, their fee is, you could just wrap it into a founding membership. The other thing about Substack, I should say, is you get a big global audience just by being on the platform. If you're British, you because most of the readers are American, the UK is very fast growing market, but, but there's a lot of Americans on there. So my audience, simply by being on Substack and by Americans reading me and recommending me, it used to be the majority. It was like 90 percent Brits reading it. Now it's maybe 60 percent Americans. So if you're a coach, that's a, I can see that's an amazing opportunity for you to own your audience. And in Austra- I have a big Australian audience now. So all of these things, it, it sort of that's why you can see how a business would actually really benefit. I think you. so too. And I, and I also think there's something really valuable in being one of the early adopters. So I think it, I think there'll be a sea change and I think more businesses will come on to Substack and the ones who really understand and fit in with that spirit of generosity and of keeping it a platform that's so great to be on, they're going to do really well on it. Yeah, hopefully. And understanding, I suppose, that it's probably going to be different to your LinkedIn. You know, this is a place where it's a sort of warm business environment. You know, you probably wouldn't wouldn't use the word business. It's just you as an individual and you happen to have a business, you know, that you're running for your substack. But but yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And certainly with British people and Americans, I mean, it's a relatively young platform. It's five years old. People with businesses haven't even really started investigating the possibility. So I, I think you're absolutely yeah, right. I think it's a huge opportunity. I think actually you're right. It's a media hub for your personal brand isn't it really because you can get to you don't have to just talk about your business either it this is a place where if you've got something interesting to say and it's where I think you can bring real authenticity to your brand because you can bring all of yourself all of the things you're interested in to your Substack, and people can pick and choose between that behind the scenes stuff that they might want to find out about you too so I can see for particularly for coaches I think it, it was a great platform because people get to see your personality too in Substack if you're not just putting out LinkedIn worthy content that's right. I mean, God, I mean, LinkedIn does send me to sleep. <laughs> um, but it's like most brands now, the world of brands is people want to know who's the founder, what does it stand for, what they like. And and so you're absolutely right. This is what, what Substack does. And they, you know, they can figure out whether, you know, at the end of the day, you 
I find you want to do business with people you like and who you have similar values with. And this very quickly, the right doesn't give the Mr. LinkedIn CV. This is the sort of this is who I am. And I imagine I don't know the world of coaching that well, but I imagine a lot of it is based on personal rapport. I think, to be honest, in terms of successful coaches, I think it's all based on personal rapport, you know, and I think that's part of the mistake a lot of coaches make is that they turn try and turn into a data-driven marketing game. And actually coaching your relationship with your coach, whether that's a business coach or a life coach or a health coach, whoever it is, your relationship with your coach is a really intimate one. You know, you're telling them things that you don't necessarily want to tell anyone else and you need to be comfortable to talk to them quite deeply about things. So it's it kind of makes no sense to have it anything other than a really deep rapport with someone. That's why I tell my clients all the time, it's relationships above algorithms and Substack's the perfect platform to take advantage of that. Yeah, I think it's right. It's, it's sort of you're playing a human game as opposed to a, a sort of marketing game. Really. And, and by the sound of it, that's what coaching sounds like. It is all about. Exactly right. I'm just wondering, uh, one of the things, again, that I talk to clients about a lot, and that is that I think people tend to get into a bit, little bit of uh, an entitlement trap with different platforms. So, you know, we're all criticizing um, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. You know, we criticize them all the time for not doing what we want them to do, you know, for punishing us via the algorithm, for uh, not allowing us to do X, Y, and Z. But I always like to say that, you know, for me, it's about actually having the respect for a platform to find out what that platform wants from me, because every platform is a business in its own right. You know, they're not, Substack doesn't exist for my pleasure and benefit exclusively, (laughs) unfortunately, probably should, obviously. (laughs) So, what do you think about that? You know, what in for, through a Substack lens, what do you think Substack wants from us? I think really, and I know this because obviously we're still a relatively small company even, they want to keep culture alive. I mean, I think that that's their biggest. I know the founder, Chris Best, you know, he, one of his things is, is about keeping culture thriving. It's a really important thing, you know, that there is a – culture is one of those those things that you can't put quite put your finger on what it is and you know a friend of mine she's she's the the mayor for culture for london and she's always talking to it sounds like a terrible name drop it's, it's not supposed to be she, she's an amazing woman don't worry far i'm you know, going to be name dropping you for like the next six months minimum it'll get you nowhere <laughs> it's hard to explain the magic of culture and yet magic of it exists nevertheless that substance big thing it's like if you can get people excited about writing if you can prove to people that writing is worth or creativity is worth paying for because that's the big thing isn't it is that the last 10 or 15 years i use the word writing but what i really mean is creativity there's not been a whole lot of value put to it the number of people i know who write for free you know for did well-known digital sites that should be criminal really it, it's you know if somebody cleans your windows you pay them but if a writer writes something it seems okay not to and and of course what's happening is is because writers can I mean, and it's always been the way by the way it's just that right. it's got much worse I mean you, you know 
always been the way nobody goes into writing to make a lot of money because we've never put this huge mm. value on it unless they become you know like James Baldwin wasn't making a lot of money of course he became famous but but you go into writing for mm. the love of it but the problem of course now is is that it's now at such a point that people are choosing to not go into the world of journalism or writing or the arts because it just seems so hopeless and so I think Substack's thing is sort of what is a world without a thriving culture and so and everybody contributes to culture by the way it goes back to your point earlier about it not being an elitist platform every single person makes a contribution to culture by pouring their creativity out into the world I love that about it it really is a missionary zeal particularly of Chris's and, and that's what I love about it is this value on this thing that the world has never really value that i mean you hear about so many artists dying in poverty you know vincent van Van Gogh. i didn't realize you know he died penniless yes these these creations which changed the world in many ways but there was no value in his lifetime put on Mm -hmm. it so that underneath it all and of course by the way you know let's not beat around the bushes so once you start making money substat makes money so substat takes 10 percent of revenue but it does it in a really different way to some of the other digital platforms where you can potentially monetize your writing you know some of those other platforms make it very difficult to actually earn any money whereas i think that substack is such a flat easy way it's so accessible for people to start earning money straight away i really hate that about some of the other platforms that you know it's it's almost like the only people making money on those other platforms are people teaching you how to make money on those platforms (laughs) (laughs) obviously i work for the company so of course i'm going to say this but they make money when you make money which I think as a writer with my other hat on, you know, my obviously my like I write at my weekends seems a pretty fair price to me. You know, they make 10% out of me. I, I think that's great. Absolutely. They've given me this platform to connect with other writers. That's fine by me. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think it's just so open. It's so transparent. It's just so reasonable. And it's just that it, that in itself is so aligned with the rest of the, with everything they do on the platform. I, I've got to be honest, I'm urging all of my clients to begin a Substack. And if you're listening and this is something that you like the sound of and want to be part of, I really urge you to explore. Start with Farah's Substack because also Farah, on your Substack, things worth knowing, you have got lots of information on there for people who might want to start using Substack. So if people go back through, this is the other good thing is you can go back, can't you? As a paid subscriber, you can go back and look at all the archive posts as well. That's right. And and yes, so there's things on there where I tell people the strategy Mm. I use. I have a, a new thing where it's sort of like an extended chat thread where you can go in and you can network with other people who are starting their Substack at yeah. the same time as you because then you can grow together. So yeah, there's lots of, it's sort of, a, I mean, I'm mine really, it's a bit of an old mess, but I'm not selling it very well. I should be doing a much better job, but but it is a Substack of two parts really. On on the one side, you've got me doing all the the magazine stuff, yes. writing about women women's store secret lives of women really is how i is how i label it but on the other side it's uh by the way if you want to start writing on substack or writing for women's magazines i sort of teach people how to do that because that's the bit of being an editor that i loved more than anything was the teaching the younger writers how to craft a story how to yeah. sell a story so you know, i'm leaning on both things that i used to do as an editor which brings us full circle in a way because I left behind being an editor but in many ways the bits of the job that I loved 
are here. They just look very different. They do. And it's like you're now crafting this role into what you want it to be, aren't you? With your Substack, you're bringing all of the bits in that you love and that's what you can do on Substack. Yeah, you have the freedom to to, to, to choose what yeah. you do and you have freedom to choose the type of relationship you want with your readers. And I think that's it's the most accessible kind of business. The the best advice I would give to people though is just just start it, just experiment. Sometimes you'll be surprised at the thing that people want to want to read from you. So it's all an experiment. And also I tend to see I call them my readers, the readers are thing worth, things worth knowing. I see them more as more and more sort of like collaborators as opposed to readers now. You know, they they get to have their say, they get to inform what I write about. Sometimes I'll write something off the back of a comment someone's written. So it, it's a completely different relationship. It is, and that really is interesting, just thinking about businesses, thinking about coaches in particular who might want to start a substack. You can see there from you know, from what you just said, far straight away, it's that collaborative aspect, bringing people in and, and really involving them with your writing and maybe, you know, allowing some other people to, to guess, right? Cause you can collaborate with other writers as well on Substack. It's just the best way of building relationships. I'm not good in, in a community setting, but. I just started commenting on because because genuinely interesting people are posting genuinely interesting things on that thread. Um, I just started putting the odd comment in or anything, and it was just I I have got I just picked up so many new followers for my Substack. Substack. I've started following lots of other Substacks, and that spider's web that we were talking about earlier is happening. I'm discovering more and more people who think like I think and who talk about things I'm interested in and hopefully will be interested in things I talk about. Um, so thank you for doing that. It's brilliant. You're a team player now. Jill. I wouldn't go that far, Farah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> oh, Farah, thank you so much. I'm going to link to your uh, Substack in the show notes. And I think we've also got a link for anyone who wants to start a Substack. And seriously, do this for your business because you're going to find it really liberating. If you own a business, you need to be writing. There is always copy you need to be creating for your business. And exploring your own creativity on Substack as a beginning is is just brilliant. It will make everything easier when it comes to writing for your business as well. So there's no reason not to. I would really urge you to give it a go. Farah, thank you so, so much for coming on. You're amazing. And I am so grateful that you've come on to share all of this with the listeners. Oh, I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so thank much. Thank you. hope you enjoyed this episode and that getting our heads together this week has filled your mind with what's possible if you love the show would you do me a massive favor please would you leave a five-star rating on apple podcasts it would really help me put more heads together reach more ears and expand more minds until next week bye for now bye